It's great, isn't it? Just having a little bit of cheeky time to, to sing to God. I love it, don't you? Do you love it? It's great, because for a minute then I was worried. Great, let's read together. <clears throat> for those of you familiar uh, with the Bible, let's read together quite a well-known passage. Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. Exodus 3, 1 to 10. And uh, we'll have a little read. And whilst you're doing that, I'll have a little bit of H2O. That's nice. Great. Let me uh, lead us through this reading then. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of, of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. But this Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. <clears throat> Excuse me, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. I, um, I often read the Bible, I don't know if you do, and you find something that just makes you think, oh, that's a bit funny. Do you ever do that? You are allowed, you know, it doesn't make it any less the word of God just because it brings a little chortle to you. So, um, <clears throat> so I was having a little read of this, and um, I've been really grabbed by this little narrative, this little conversation uh, God and Moses, or rather Moses has with God. Okay, you get that impression. It's not so much God having with Moses, it's Moses having with God. I mean, it is a bit weird, isn't it? In fact, Moses said it's strange, because he says, I must go over and see this strange sight. So there he is, <clears throat> he's looking after his father-in-law's sheep, all right, and um, he's kind of over here, and he just happens to glance over there, and he looks at it and goes, just a minute, what's that? He's thinking to himself, and he, he says it's strange, because it says he's going to have a look at this strange sight. So he's thinking, not seen that on a Tuesday before, you know what I mean? What is he? He's, he's intrigued. Have you ever been intrigued by stuff? He's, he's, he's intrigued. I, I, get, I get a little bit excited by fires. 
I do, I do. I've, in like, I've been known to chase fire engines. Has anybody else done that? Oh, good, there's one more. That's encouraging. <coughs> and I'm, I've, because fire intrigues me. You're worried now, aren't you? So Mo's just looking at this, and he's, 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 he's intrigued because he's thinking to himself, that is really weird. Because, like, that tree, that, that hedge, that bush, it's on fire, but it's not burning up. So that is a bit weird, isn't it? Right. So he thinks, I'm going to have a little look. So he goes over and has a little look. And just as he approaches it, it gets a bit more strange. Because now it talks to him. Now I've never seen a fire that, that talks, have you? I mean, may, maybe you see that regularly on a morning. You nip down to the sitting room and the fire says to you, morning. But I've never seen it before. And he's really, really grabbed by it. And he, I mean, how must, how must have that looked from a distance? Do you know what I mean? Because like all somebody from a distance would see is Moses having a bit of a conversation with a burning bush. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's a weird situation, okay? But you and I know that it's God and Moses very quickly began to realize it was God. Now, hold that there because that is a supernatural thing that is happening there. Just hold that there. I want to ask you a question this evening. Do you ever find yourself having a conversation with God when he asks you to do it? Do you ever find yourself giving reasons why you probably oughtn't to do it? Do you ever, and, and, and do you ever eventually realize you, you kind of, you're going to end up doing it anyway? I've, I've been like that. Well, this is an interesting conversation that God has with Moses. I am really intrigued because as I read through this, as I was thinking about this, I began to realize that, that this conversation that Moses has with God could actually be a conversation that I have with God. Because I began to realize that actually lots of the things that Moses gives and says to God are the kinds of things that I've said to God when I know God wants me to do something that I don't really want to do. So look with me. The first thing Moses says is, who am I? Who am I? Look at verse 11. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? So Moses is having this conversation with God. <clears throat> Lots of people uh, think that those of us who are preachers, kind of like we kind of walk in this kind of sense that we are God's man of power. For every hour. They kind of think that we wake up on a Monday morning and say, Right, Lord, what have you got for me to do? I don't wake up like that very often. Anybody else wake up like that very often? Maybe you are a little bit more spiritual than me. But I often wake up on a Monday morning and think, Why can't I just go back to bed? Anybody else feel a little bit like that? I don't really want to be up. And, and, and often, don't, please don't look at me and think, it's, it's, it's easy for you, Mark. It's all right for you because it's like, you're, like a, a, you're paid to be a Christian. 
you know what I mean? You do it for your job. Do you know what I mean? You've kind of got to do it. And my, one of my friends, he puts me to shame. He's one of these brilliant Christians who's always prepared and ready. Do you remember the word tracts, some of you? Do you remember when we used to use that word tract? I hate the words. We're going to give out some tracts. We're going to go tracting. What is that about? And uh, my mate was a tractor, not, not like a... You know what I mean by that, don't you? He, he, like, he, like, he had a tract. In fact, I think not only was he a tractor himself, I think he was a dealer. <laughs> he seemed to have a tract for every occasion. It's like if you went up to him and, and he said to you, oh, how are you today? And you'd say, I'm feeling a bit depressed. Depressed. Yeah, I'm feeling a bit depressed. Feel a bit depressed, do you? <laughs> you met people like that. They're good, aren't they? I'm a little bit envious, aren't you? <clears throat> depressed. A, B, C. Depressed. Got a track for you. Got a track for you. Or you talk to him another day. How are you feeling? Oh, I'm a bit worried. I've lost my job. Job? Job. E-F-G. Job. How are you today? Oh, I'm thinking about becoming a Christian. Special place for that one. It's in my sock. My way was a little bit, it's like, I mean, I exaggerate that, obviously. He didn't actually have a Big Mac where he went like that, okay? But he just seemed to be always in the place where whenever God wanted him to do something, he was like always there. But do you know what, really, honestly, like, if I can just be really honest with you, most of the time I just feel like, who am I? Don't you? It's like, you know, I know you're good and you're powerful, God, but do you know what, most of the time I just feel, who am I? It's like, you know, I look, I don't know, educationally, I've not really got it, you know, like, I've just, my upbringing's fairly humble, and it's like, who am I? It's like, you know, I don't have a lot of brains, really. Sometimes I think to myself, I mean, you know, I, I was a butcher. What they do when you're a butcher, they say, here's a piece of meat, cut that. So you cut it, and then you hand it back. That's what you do as a butcher. You don't need a lot of brains to be a butcher. You see a lot of brains when you're a butcher. <laughs> but you don't need a lot of brains to be a butcher. You get what I'm saying? So Moses comes to God with that same kind of initial response that you and I give. Who am I? Why should, why should it be me? But you know what? <clears throat> I've learned to say this. Why not me? Why not me? Honestly, why not me? Why can't God want to use Mark Greenwood? Why, why, do, why, why can't God want to use you? Why can't God want to use Moses? I love God's response, verse 12. I will be with you. Folks, do you know what? We need to understand afresh. God's with us. I think we've forgotten. I do. I think we've forgotten. I think most of the time we've actually forgotten that God's with us. We, the humdrum of life, it just it soaks it somehow, doesn't it? That you just get so caught up. I mean, please, if you realize that God's with you every step of the way and you feel him all the time, please come and teach those mere humble people who don't feel like that. Because actually, do you know what? If we really felt that God was with us, we'd behave very differently, would we not? 
If we really had this deep sense and conviction and knowledge, I wouldn't batter an eyelid when my friend says he's in a bad way. It wouldn't stop me like, from going out and praying that God had healed him. If I really believed, if I really knew that God was with me, I'll be with you. See, folks, we need to understand that whenever God asks us to do something, grabbed by this phrase, I was thinking about this. It's not something I read in a book. It's just something that came to my mind as I was preparing this talk. Really grabbed me. It's not a human enterprise. It's a divine operation. I'm I'm intrigued by Moses. Because he's just had this supernatural activity. He's conversing with God. God said to him, look, I've seen the misery. I mean, if ever there was a great chapter in the Bible to talk about the mission of the church, this is it. Like God said, I've seen the misery. The cries have come up to me in heaven and I've come down. I mean, this is incredible phrase. Like these cries have come up to me and they've actually brought me down. So now I'm sending you, Moses. I'm sending you to go out and rescue this bunch of people. Who am I? Never mind who are you, I'm with you Moses. Go out in the knowledge that I'm with you. Folks, if I could ask one thing of God tonight, it would be God, help us to remember that when we walk in the natural, you're walking in the supernatural. Whenever you ask me to do something that might seem really simple, help me not to lose sight of the fact that it's you asking me to do it and you're at work in the background. I really felt that I want to ask God tonight to remind Mark Greenwood, to remind you that whatever I do, God's at work in the background. God's at work in the background. I'm really glad that Brian Hardacre, who'd been a Christian for only six days, didn't say, why me? I'm really glad Brian in Bradford didn't say that, why? Because it was that Brian, six days after he'd become a Christian, came and knocked on the door of my home. Open, we opened the door, and here was a guy who looked like he'd got something. Long story short, three or four weeks passed by, and my family became Christians. I'm glad he didn't say, why me? I'm glad Brian caught something of the fact that God was with him. Aren't you? I mean, imagine your life without me. <laughs> Some of you want to hunt him down, don't you? But then Moses is like, I, I love Moses, all right, because this is fascinating. Look at what Moses' reply to God was in verse 13. But Moses said to God, suppose again, I love this little phrase. It's like, I'm not saying I'm going. Just suppose, just suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, if I did go, I'm not saying I am. Just suppose I go to them. And say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say, what's his name? What shall I tell him then? I get this little stroppy edge with Moses here, don't you? Let's not dehumanify. It's another new word you've learned this evening. Dehumanify. You'll learn some great words with Mark Green, would you really will? Then what shall I tell them? See this booklet here. Many of you have seen it. Uh, the journey, okay? This is the third design and redesign of the journey. The second redesign, okay, 
uh, doesn't have these stories in, uh, but it was called The Journey. The first time I produced The Journey, okay, it was called Staying on Track. And uh, I produced it because I produced another little tract, leaflet, that explains the gospel called Stop, Are You on the Right Track? So the idea was stop, are you on the right track? And then this would be to people to help them stay on track. Got it? See how it works? In it. You can't buy that intelligence, ladies and gentlemen. You can't buy it. You've either got it or you haven't, okay? And then we produced a couple of others, because I kind of wasn't just a dealer, I was a tract producer. It's the next level. It's the next level. And I had one called, Is It Possible That? And Who Is Jesus? And I produced these because for quite a long time, I did lots of uh, work in the open air. John does some stuff um, in the open air. Uh, and um, I was part of an organization that, that John Hayward is part of, for those of you who know John. And uh, I came up against lots of different things. So I wrote some little leaflets to help those different um, questions that people had. So let me tell you about those little leaflets. I, um, I was speaking at my church in Huddersfield. And uh, the Elim Church in Huddersfield, like this is the Elim Church Zion, okay, the Hale Zion, this is the Elim Church Huddersfield, so it's, it's part of Elim in Huddersfield. And uh, I, I, was, I was doing a talk that was for people who weren't Christians. And uh, at the end of that talk, I, I always give people an opportunity who aren't Christians to take a step towards God. Some people want to make a little step, some people want a big step. So I gave this opportunity, and there was a gentleman there by the name of Alan. Alan wanted to make a big step. He wanted to become a Christian. Alan came to see me at the end, and I helped him to become a Christian. It was a wonderful moment. Um, about a week or two afterwards, I saw Alan again. I was back at my church just attending this time, and Alan came up to me and said, Oh, man, I'm, I'm really grateful for what you've done for me. Um, I'd like to just say thank you in some way. And, you know, I was, it's awkward, isn't it? Because it's like, it's not me. Do you know what I mean? It was God, and he genuinely said, it's like, well, Alan, it's, you know, it's not really me. It's like, it's like God's, you know, done it. And he looked at me and went, yeah, I know that. He said, but I want to thank you. I said, what are you thanking me for? He said, well, you helped me become a Christian. I went, Okay, well, I mean, you know, anyway, I could see that he wanted to say thank you. So I said, 30 quid should do it. <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> so I said, look, you don't need to say thank you, but I can see that you feel in some way you need to. So I said, tell me a little bit about what you do. He said, oh, I, I'm, I'm a self-employed printer. I own my own printing company. And I said to him, let me tell you how you can help me. Now, these little um, tracts, these little leaflets that I've been producing, I'd designed them myself, and um, I'd been producing them on my little like Epson 300 DPI inkjet printer, which is all right so long as you're doing open air work in the summer. Once it starts raining, you're ruined, you know what I mean? It's just a mash of colour and it's rubbish, you know. I can't even tell what it says myself when I wrote the thing, you know what I mean? So I said to him, I said, look, I've got a little bit of money that somebody's given me, a um, thousand pounds. 
Um, but it, it's going to cost like about two and a half thousand pounds just to get all these done, and I haven't really got the money for that. I said, look, if you want to say thank you, then the best thing that you could do is maybe do all these. Remember, it was going to be like two and a half thousand or something like that. Could do all these for like a thousand. I don't expect it for nothing because I've got the money. So, but if you could do it for a thousand pounds, then that would mean that I can get the message out to a lot more people, even when it's raining. <laughs> that's all right, isn't it? And he was happy with that. So I thought that's good, isn't it? Okay. So, so I, I, he said, bring your stuff round next week. So I took the stuff round the week after. I said, here's my text, and uh, here's what I've produced so far, but that's just to let you know what I have been producing. You don't have to stick to that. I'm just, and he said, oh, right, this is Alan now, the guy who was, he said, oh, this is Dave. He's not a Christian. Now, you know when, like, you become a Christian, right, you don't have much sensitivity, do you? <laughs> it's like the most judgmental people on planet Earth Right, uh, one of three. Somebody who stopped smoking. Somebody who used to be fat. <laughs> really judgmental. You're like, you look at people's plate and go, ooh. <laughs> oh, you make me feel ill. Go away. <laughs> right, and new Christians. All right, they're even worse, I think, sometimes. Well, Dave, Alan was this new Christian who got no sensitivity at all. And he said, Mark, tell Dave that you and God are going to get him. <laughs> now, I, I'm compromised because, you know, I'm saving 1,500 quid him by, you know, by him doing my leaflets. So I'm like, I'm standing in front of him and Dave, um, me and God, we're going to get you. And he looked at me, right, he went, no, you're not. Dave, we are. We're going to get you, me and God. And like, I've now entered into this debate with him, you know what I mean? But you're 30 quid. We do. No, I didn't do that. I didn't, I didn't do that. I didn't do that, honestly. So anyway, I said, look, Dave, you're going you're gonna to read through all this text of all these different leaflets. Like, Is it possible? Read through that first. And then, then you look through who is Jesus. And then you look through stopping on right track. And then staying on track. And I said, you, you read through it all. And it'll just all fit together. And then we'll, well, we'll just get you. So he went, no, I'm a designer. We never look at text. Now I can vouch for that. <laughs> Have we got any designers here this evening? Could have gone wrong that, couldn't it? Anyway, long story short, two weeks later, I went to pick up the stuff. Alan rang me up and said, look, it's already come and collect it. So I walked into, into the printing place and uh, a little cup of coffee and just have a little chat. And then Dave said, oh, Mark, I'll give you a hand with the stuff to the car if that's all right. I said, oh, that'd be great because it's like, it's like one, one, two, three, four of these books and we've done 10,000 of each. So it's, it's quite a lot of boxes. I mean, my car was like that on the way home. I was kind of driving like that, which is difficult because I can only just see over the steering wheel anyway. <laughs> so it's not, not easy at the best of times. So like, so Dave's walking up to the car and 
we, we put the stuff down and he's hanging around. And I went, Dave, are you all right? And he went, yeah, 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 I'm all right, mate, I'm all right. I said, what's wrong? You look a bit nervous. He said, yeah, 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 a bit nervous, a bit nervous. I said, what's wrong? He went, um, you and God. I said, what about us? He went, you got me. <laughs> How good is that? That's fantastic, isn't it? I just thought that was absolutely amazing. Why am I telling you that story? I'm telling you that story because, do you know what? God knows how to reveal himself to people. We don't need to stress about who are you, God? How do I articulate who you are, God? God knows how to reveal himself to people. He knows how to speak to people. He knows just how to get it right. God said in verse 14, tell them the I am has sent you. Now that's, that's not good English, isn't it? Who is it that sent you? I am. Don't mean anything. But in Hebrew, it makes perfect sense. Without complicating things, the Jewish people, the Israelites, got that phrase. When Moses said, look, just tell them the I am has sent you, they understood that. They got that. It basically meant the I am is God saying that I am the one who has always been, the one who is right now, and the one who will always be. I am the God who's lived in the continuous present. That's actually what it means if you wanted to know the, sort of the English version of it. So God said, no, just tell them the I am has sent you. That's all you need to say. Because God knows how to reveal himself. God knew that that would mean something to these people. We present, he proves. We present, and God proves himself to people. Why? Because what we are doing is not a human enterprise. It's a divine operation. In all your naturalness of talking to people, do not forget that this is a divine operation. When God leads us to speak to people, it's a divine operation. When God asks us to do something as a church, to reach out to a group of people, it's not a, a human enterprise. Of course we want to be organized. Of course we want to strategize as to what we believe God's saying to us and about how we reach people. But folks, I want to tell you, it's a divine operation. Reaching those people whom God asks us to reach is a divine operation. Let's live in the expectation that God knows just how to reveal himself to people. My dad, um, was a, he would call himself a, um, a lazy atheist. And uh, what he meant by that is he decided that there was no God, but he couldn't really be bothered to find out. It kind of didn't really mean anything to him. Well, that changed... So, okay, a little bit of a history so you don't get confused if you ever hear me talking about my mum and dad divorcing, okay? So my mum and biological father split up about 12 times and he used to beat my mum up and knock us about as kids. So they finally divorced, okay? When I was about nine or 10, I can't remember the exact specifics, mum remarried this guy called Jimmy Greenwood. He's my dad, okay? So whenever I reference dad, that's who I mean. An amazing guy, cracking guy, I love him to bits. He adopted us. But this is what happened. Before he married my mum, he was massively involved in sub-aqua diving. You know, with the aqua lung on the back where you go under the water. And he dived all over the place. 
And uh, on, a, on a trip to Elat, his best friend died at sea, had a heart attack underwater. And they, they brought him up, took him to a military hospital, which is basically a tent with a concrete slab. They cut his wetsuit off him and said, I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do for him. And my dad, who was quite a hard working class uh, Bradford lad, went outside and cried, wept. And said these words, there has to be more to life than this. About 12 months after this, he'd moved in and um, my mum said to him, Jimmy, do you ever feel there's something missing? Six or so months later, Brian Hardacre, just become a Christian, six days before, as I mentioned, knocked on the door of our home. We opened up the door. And he said, what do you think about life after death? That's not what you normally expect to hear of a Saturday night. It's normally, can I have my better wear catalogue back, isn't it? Or something (laughs) along those lines. What do you think about life after death? I mean, you know, it's not what you expect, is it? But it was spot on. Because actually God knows how to reveal himself. Do you know what I'm really asking God for more and more and more in my own personal journey? Whenever God asks me to do something or calls me to do something, what am I asking for more and more that I realize this is not a human enterprise, it's a divine operation. That beyond my very natural way of working and conversing with people, that I realize and understand that there's a supernatural God at work. Folks, we so often forget about that. We lose sight of that. And all the way through this conversation, God's doing things and saying things to Moses to remind him, look, it's not about you, it's about me. So Moses says in verse 1 of chapter 4, what if they don't believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Have you ever found yourself saying, they will never become Christians? And then they do. And it throws you, doesn't it? It's like, whoa, I did not see that coming. We, we, we so often err on the side of caution. What, what if they don't, and this is what Moses do, well, what if they don't believe, or what if they don't listen to me? But hang on a second, what if they do? And so often we hinder ourselves from stepping out for God because we think, what if they don't? Whereas if we got involved in the mission of God and realized this is not a human enterprise, it's a divine operation, and understood that God is working in people and probably in some of your work colleagues, and we had much more of an attitude that says, well, what if they do? I think we'd step out a little bit more. I got a little bit weird once, just once. Got a little bit weird. I'd finished this kind of open air meeting and I was on my way back. And uh, you can verify this with a chap called Phil Weaver. It was his church that I was working with. And uh, we went back and we were in Watford at the time. And there's, I think it's like something like Rackham's or something. Remember Rackham's? Something like one of these large department stores. And we, we got into the lift. And I don't know why this happened. I don't know if you've ever done this. I don't, I, it's like it happened without me really realizing. I stood up, the door shut. I went, you're probably wondering why I've called this meeting. And inside I'm going, what have you said that for? I mean, I didn't have long, but I managed to share a little bit of the message of Christianity. I'm not saying that people enjoyed it. 
I'm not convinced that many people wanted women's lingerie. Do you know what I mean? I'm not. But the doors came and they were all out of the lift. They were, they were all out. All blokes. It's like Father Ted. Do you remember that Father Ted episode? They've all darted out into women's lingerie. And I know blokes feel very awkward in women's lingerie. Well, not in it, but you know what I mean. I mean, they do feel awkward. I mean, I understand. I don't know. I never wear the stuff. I was one of those, wasn't it? One of those. One of those. Walk back. Step out. Step out of the, the alleyway. You've just gone down. <laughs> it's like I didn't think about what if they don't believe sometimes folks you've okay let's not go mentalist but sometimes we've just got to roll with it you know sometimes we've got to throw caution to the wind now please sometimes some of you do need to be a bit more sensitive my mate often says to me oh I made a mavic I made a mavic and I said to him yeah but I'm not sure they got it mate you might have made them have it. I'm just not sure they got it at all. So some of you don't need to do this, but some of us, we just need to step out a little bit. I, um, I was doing a, a, a few events with a very, very small church. And um, they did this thing. It was brilliant, actually. It was, called, it was simple. They did a prayer tree. Really simple. What they did is they got a little bucket and just a big branch, and they drew some, some leaves and cut them out and stuck them on this tree. And then they went out to their little area, a bunch of shops, about six or seven shops, like, you know, like a pharmacy, a post office, those news agent, those type of shops, in a little parade, for want of a better phrase. And uh, they went out, and they just went out saying to people, hey, look, we're from the local church, we're praying for people, is there anything you'd like us to pray for? If you could write it on this little card paper leaf, just put your first name so we can make it personal. We're going back to church, we're going to have a cup of coffee, and we'd love to pray for you. Now, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think that that would be a popular thing. Honestly, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. We said to one woman, could we pray for you? She said, oh, please, I've just lost both my son-in-laws in the last month. Amazing, isn't it? You just, you look at people and you just don't realise what they're going through. Do you? We, we do not understand and realise sometimes and just by taking a small little step, the what if they might let me pray? If we understand it's a, a, a divine operation, not a human enterprise. If we understand that, then could it be that God's just working so that when you step out, somebody might, do you know, I'd love that. In fact, I seem to remember we only had um, one person who said no. We chatted to about 70 or 80 people. One person. That's just on a like, a, that's not in a big shopping centre. That's just on, on a council estate in Bradford when you've got that little local parade of shops. And, and this is weird. This is, but I can't get my head around this. We said to one woman, hi, we're from the local church. We're praying for people. Would you like us to pray for you? No, thanks. I'm a Methodist. <laughs> Honestly, it's like, oh, all right then. That's no problem. And I'm thinking, hey. How does that work? No, thanks. I'm a Methodist. I mean, maybe she felt she could pray for herself. I don't know. But what, what if? If we'd have let the what if, they don't, we wouldn't have connected with that 70 people. I, folks, I just want to encourage you to step out on your what if occasionally. What, what if they do believe? Then isn't it worth chatting to them?
what if they do believe? And God said, verses 2 to 8, there's there's quite a a long passage here, but let me just draw your attention because this is fascinating. This is really intriguing. Look look at the, the bottom. Then it says, Then the Lord said, If they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. Now, I find that really fascinating. Does God know everything? Not a trick question. He does, doesn't he? God does know everything. So why didn't God say, if they don't believe the first, they will believe the second or the fourth or the eighth? Why did he say, they may believe the second? It's like God isn't saying, I'm not sure. I mean, I thought about this long and hard. I haven't got a clue. God's obviously not saying that. So what's he doing? Well, I think, because this is all I can come up with, that God is trying to teach something to Moses. And this is it, that there's a timing. There's a timing for humans, and there's a timing for God. But God's saying, what if they do believe the second? They might not believe. Folks, I want to say to you, look, People might reject what you're saying. People might not want to believe the first time, but you've, you've seen it enough. We've, we saw it this morning a little bit. We've heard it in previous testimonies. You know, I came along to church and this, and I wasn't bothered about that, and it was not for me or my friend told me about it. And then I believed. We know that. But let's, let's work on the what if this is the time. That they believe. What if God is working out in people's lives? Folks, it's not the outcome. It's the go out. It's not the outcome. It's the go out. Let's go out and serve the mission of God. We don't do evangelism just to get others to believe. We do evangelism because we do believe. We do it because we do believe. It's an expression of us believing, not trying to tell them they've got to believe. We do it because we do believe. I'm almost done. Verse 10 of chapter 4. Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been eloquent, neither in the past, nor the since. Oh, sorry, nor since you have spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. Some of the scholars suggest that Moses has some kind of stammer. You know, touch of the ark, right? Have you seen up on all hours? Have you seen that? Yeah, it's a little bit like that, minus the till, okay? It's like, you know, oh, God, I can't speak. I mean, you can, you can feel a little bit for Moses, can't you? I mean, you know, he's gone on to see Pharaoh all confident, right? And he stands up and says, now then, Nephi. Now then, for fee, for fair. Now then, for fee, for fair, for fair, for king. God said, let my papi, papi. Let my papi. I mean, how many peas in people? Do you know what I mean? Let my papi, papi. Oh, just let them go, will you? I mean, you, you, can, you can appreciate the, the pressure and the, the worry, the concern of Moses. Like, what if I stand up and it all goes wrong? You ever worried about that? What if I trip over my words? What if I stumble? What if I say something I shouldn't say? What if I don't say something I should say? I love God's response. 
Look at verse 12 with me. I will help you speak well. Love that. Not just I'll help you speak, but I'll help you speak well. And I will tell you what to say. Isn't that great? Do you remember those of you that attended the boot camp? We looked at content and delivery. That's it, isn't it? God says, I'm going to help you speak well. I'm going to help you with your delivery. I'm going to help you with your content. Last point. This is what it boiled down to with Moses. So what's he said so far? Who am I? Who are you? What if they don't believe? What if I can't speak? And the last point, what about them? They'd be better. Look at verse 13. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. That's what it all boiled down to, wasn't it? All boiled down to to this. The difference between a reason and an excuse is willingness. Folks, there's lots of reasons that I could give not to do what God wants me to do. But if I'm willing, they're just reasons. If I'm not willing, they're excuses. So I wonder for you this evening and for me this evening, how do we respond? Nothing wrong with responding in these ways so long as they don't stop us going. When you give your reasons, are they reasons or excuses? Let me remind you this thread all the way through this passage. God says to Moses, verse 17, Take this staff in your hands so that you can use it to perform miraculous signs with it. And verse 20, And he took the staff of God in his hands. I don't know if you know the significance of this verse. But in verse 2, God said to him, what's that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. I couldn't understand that because that is a bit freaky, isn't it? Threw the staff on the ground. This is interesting. God says to Moses, what's that in your hand? Okay, principle one. God always wants to use what we've got. Okay, principle one. Principle two, throw the staff on the ground. Throws it onto the ground. God does something supernatural with it. He puts his hand in, turns to white, says, puts it in again, comes back out. God's trying to say to him, look, there's a supernatural element here, but this is the wonderful thing. The staff of Moses represented who he was. It was his identity. It was his livelihood. It was everything that he was. That's the significant thing. God wants to use everything that we are, but we must lay it down. And pick it back up on, don't if you know this, from that moment, that staff was always known as the staff of God. Up until that point, it was always called the staff of Moses. Up until that point, it's the staff of Moses. From that point, it was the staff of God. Folks, when we throw down our livelihood and who we are, our security and identity, that which is in our hand, the very essence of who we are, we lay it down, the day we laid it down, it stopped being the life of Mark. It started being the life of God. And that's when God can begin to use us. And that's when God can begin to do some amazing stuff. I want to encourage you 
and Mark Greenwood to lay down our life again and say, God, I'm laying down my life tonight because I don't want to be the, the body of Mark Greenwood anymore. I want to be the hands and feet of God. Could we do that? Could we say, God, I don't want to say, no way am I going there. I want to say, I want to go there, God. And here are my reasons for not going, but I'm not going to make them excuses. Help me to realize, God, that whatever you ask me to do, there's a supernatural thing behind it all. And all, do you know what, folks? I just think God just simply wants us to walk in the natural, aware of the supernatural. I can't walk in the supernatural. Only God can do that. But I can do what I do, aware of God doing what he does. Do you know what I mean? Are you up for that? Would you love to say to God this evening, I want to lay all of my reasons and my excuses, whatever they are, to one side. And, and, and I'm willing, God. I'm willing. And maybe if you can't say, I often say this, maybe if you can't say, I'm willing, God, could you say this evening, I'm willing to be made willing? Could, could you join me? If you're not willing, but you are willing to be made willing, could you join me? He's saying to God, God, I want to throw down my life and I want you to do something supernatural with it so that whenever I respond to what you've asked me to do, I don't default to these reasons or excuses. I default to saying, I'm up for it, God. Would you, could you join me in that? Be great, wouldn't it, just to say to God again, God, I'm laying my life down. I'm putting it down at your feet. So let's do that. Let's do that now. Let's uh, get the worship band back up. Let's, let's respond to that. And uh, I, I don't know how you want to respond to it. I'm, uh, I'm going to leave that up to you for a few moments. And let's just see if God wants us to respond in any other way. It might be that you, you need to come out and be prayed for. Let's, just, let's not predetermine what we've got to do. But let's just at least respond as a starter for 10. So we're going to sing together. Just remind me what we're singing. All I am, Lord. All I am. Thank you, Lord. Let's just worship. And I just want to encourage you as, as maybe the worship band can sing it through first with ours. And that maybe then you can just reflect over what you've heard. How, how are you feeling about what we've talked about? Does it make you feel heavy? Does it make you feel, yeah, I can do it? How are you feeling? Just submit those to God. Are you willing? Or are you willing to be made willing? Let's just be really honest before God. As we, so worship Tim, if you could maybe just sing this through once for us and allow us just that space to, uh, to reflect ourselves.